Well, welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to say something. I'm giving it out to uh, to one of my good friends today. I want to give him a shout out. He's in the hospital. A uh, guy I've known from Gordon Pierce and Burb. I got to talk about that place before. Years ago, I was a waiter there and I did the marketing. And he's been there ever since the beginning. And it's funny because it's in Burbank, which if you people don't know Burbank, Burbank is uh, very white let's just say. And it's him and he has three other friends named George and they're all heavy Latinos that used to come in. And it was just great. And they would just drink and drink and drink. And he's so such a good guy. And it's funny, I always bust his balls because he has, he has one of those necks with three rolls on it. <laughs> and I always like, he came over to my house for a party. I'm like, dude, if I brought a dinner party, I could use that to put recipes in. <laughs> but um, he, he just got diagnosed with MS. So I just want all my listeners to shout out to him, give him a prayer. Uh, I'm going to actually see him to the hospital today. And uh, it'll be interesting because last time I was in the hospital, my father passed away. And before that's when I had my heart problem. So it's all good though. I'm going to walk in there, but it's, it's not in Burbank or Dover, Delaware. So we'll be good. But <laughs> anyway, enough about Burbank. Uh, well, except my guest lives in Burbank. Yeah. We have a, we have a guest that his name's Dean Cameron. How you doing Dean? Never better. How are you? Good. You know, it's, I, I always do be sure. I remember as you know, growing up, I mean, we're the same age, pretty much. Yeah. I think you've, you might, might have a year on me. I mean, because I look, I look I'm 50. So okay, I, I'll be 50 in, okay, in cool. two weeks. But it's so funny because we have the same age. I'm 43, if anyone asks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, and see, but see, now you look good with a beard. Because you know, I grew my beard. When I was in the hospital last year, my girlfriend, I, I was, she was just getting back from Ireland with her mom. I right. said, don't, you can't do anything. I'm going to hospital. Don't fly across the country. And I started, I didn't shave because you're in the hospital. Right. And you look good in it. I look like a damn grandfather. <laughs> Everyone said, and I lost 20 pounds from the hospital. Wow. They said I look like Richard Dreyfus with AIDS. <laughs> okay. So, but no, so now, now we're the same age and stuff. And I remember, you know, your career. I mean, I remember, God, you know, you always had cool hair. <laughs> no, you always said like like we like your hair is sort of spi- it just it was good hair. Oh yeah, I I had good hair when I had hair. Did that run in your family? Uh, it's a long story. I don't know. Okay, it's funny. <laughs> I'm just wondering because I mean, my dad when he passed was 88. He wow. still had hair. I'm, I'm bald. Yeah. So, so you're from originally. You're from Morrison, Illinois. I was yeah. I was born there. Now is that near Chicago or? I really don't know. I know it's in western northwestern Illinois. Okay, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, we just left there very soon after I was born and moved to California. Now, did you move to L.A. Um, in the L.A. area? or No. Uh, my dad was a high school teacher, and he got a job in Holtville, California, which is south. And then okay. uh, and then we ended up in Santa Barbara. That's a nice place to go. Yeah, that was nice. Now, did, I, he, did he teach up there? He taught at Santa Barbara High School for, for a long time. And then my parents got divorced, and I moved... My I didn't. My mom moved me to to several places, but I ended up in Norman, Oklahoma, for the formative years of my life. Really? Yeah. Now in those years, because I mean, going from Santa Barbara to Oklahoma, I'm sure it's quite a sh- uh, culture shock. Yeah, yeah, you're going from one of the most beautiful places. Yeah. to Nothing against Oklahoma yeah. people, but you know, yeah. if you've been to Santa Barbara, you know, did at this time, at any time when you were younger, was and you probably because your father was a teacher and you probably brought up he was probably intelligent. What did he teach? He taught English and drama and tap dancing. Okay, so so you knew. I mean, so there was that background something that oh, yeah. is, it was around the house but did you know as a kid you wanted to do this yeah absolutely he my father tried to be an actor he came to hollywood for a year and it didn't work out and i because of my parents were divorced i would spend my summers in santa barbara with him and they had a great summer theater program called youth theater and so i started doing plays and musicals every summer since i was eight do you and, remember your first play? Uh, the first play I ever did was Trojan Women with my dad, actually. Really? And uh, he just sent me a bunch of reviews and stuff, and I got great reviews, and I was four years old or something. Isn't that cool, though? Yeah, and, and, you, cool. and you know what's even cool? And it's so it's changed so much now. It's like 
my uncle, you know, he we, we really didn't talk to him that much. He lived in Philadelphia. We lived right across the bridge. But I would stop by and see him every once in a while. Back when I was doing stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. every you know every weekend, because they have like in the Philadelphia Inquirer, they'd have just like the, the thing that says the comedy club listing. And your name would be only little. But he would save every one of them. And it was just different then because newspaper had, was, had such an impact back oh, yeah. then. It's not like now. It's like no one even, oh, I mean, what the hell's a newspaper? Right. Now, I remember actually in, in Norman where I grew up, if you made the newspaper, they'd send you a thing that <laughs> cover you know would be covered and they'd send you the page and you you made the news that's cool yeah so so you, you're doing this acting and then now and then you're in oklahoma right. so how do you decide now do you go to college out there or? i did not know did so did you say i want to get back to la to act yeah or? as soon as well i was doing i was doing plays with uh eric stoltz and anthony edwards and a couple other people who are still working here in oklahoma in in santa barbara okay that's what oh, i was okay. doing and so they were doing commercials and small guest spots, guest spots on TV shows when they were in high school. And so I thought, if they can do that, I can do that. So as soon as I got out of high school, I came out here to, to starve. <laughs> now, did you move to L.A.? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Did you, I mean, who did you stay with? I, I was roommates with Eric Stoltz and Anthony Edwards and okay. this other guy, Scott. No, because where did you live? We lived in this slum uh, across the street from the L.A. Coliseum. Wow! Yeah, that, <laughs> which is now it's now a parking lot, but yeah, it was bad. That must have been so crazy. So that must have been cool though, because you're you're all these young actors. You all have something in common. You're all, I mean, at 19. Like I know for me, when I was 19, I was in a four year college, and it wow. was, but it was still like a, most people in my town were. But for actors, it must have been. I mean, college was fun. You know, you drink, you have right. fun. But for you guys, it was like you were in LA. You were following acting. Some of them had commercial stuff. You right. knew each other. It must have been just a cool time. It was. A, it was a very cool time. They were going to USC, and I was roommates with them. And working i worked at the chinese theater and i worked at the broadway on hollywood and vine uh one one month for the christmas extra time uh but yeah it was a very exciting time and then as we got older we started all studying together at this great place called the loft studio with peggy fury and bill trailer and it just a great time yeah now you were sitting there did you because you've done you were more of a comedic actor when you were younger or in sitcoms. That's, those are the jobs I got, yeah. Yeah, so did you, but did you have an idea? Did you want to do comedy? Did you want to do drama or were you not sure? I just wanted to work. Anything? Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to, my goal as soon as I, it, it was just make a living as an actor. Now, how long did it take you to get an agent? Uh, it took me about eight months um, and then it took me another six or seven months to get a, a SAG gig. Do you remember and, what it was? Yeah, it was a commercial for a thing called Encounter. It was a little game you, it, it was a calculator on one side, and then you could slide it over and play little games on it. You know, it's funny. That's the thing. Like, the calculators are vast. Now they're doing the whole thing about the watch you can talk into, yeah. which I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I don't need to talk into a watch. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's cool, yeah. but it's bad enough that you always hear people who talk on their cell phone like right. this, or they're like yelling. Yeah. Now we're going to have all these people walking, oh, going, yeah. just trying to impress you that they have a watch phone, going, hey. Uh, and, yeah. and it's, just, it's like, <laughs> would you be quiet? Right, exactly. But back then, so that was your first commercial. Right. Now, did, you, did that get you more work? No, just no, nothing. You, the only thing that's ever gotten me work is this movie I did called Summer School. Okay, and that's yeah, still, of course, we'll I'm talk still about getting work because of that movie. Hey, everyone, everyone knows that. That's great. Mark Harmon yeah. and Kirstie yeah, Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you get the Encounter commercial. And now, now, are you still living with Stoltz and uh, yeah? Anthony Edwards? It was it was interesting. I was just do you know do you know who Kathleen Wilhoyt is who Kathleen Will Kathleen Wilhoyt. The name sounds familiar. So anyway, she's an actress. Uh, she was her big thing was she was the sister on ER. She was someone and okay. drug addict sister. And okay. So we were, we were all from Santa Barbara. So they called me the Midas roommate because 
uh, Eric Stoltz and Anthony Edwards and then Ali Sheedy and Kathleen Willoy, they all had these great careers while I was working at the Chinese theater. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, yeah, it was, Ali Sheedy would be off, she did was doing Bad Boys with Sean Penn while, while I was working at the Chinese theater. And, but uh, the thing is, it's cool though, but at least you're around good people. Yeah, and I knew, but th- what was great was is I knew that it could happen. It was right there. Yeah, I mean, everyone's doing it, so it's just yeah. a matter, it's like anything, it's, it's just, just a matter, matter of time. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I remember there was a day that I was sitting in my car, was really bummed because Kathleen had gotten some job, and I thought, okay, I can be happy for them or I can be a bitter jerk. And I decided I would be happy for everyone because, again, it was, if they can do it, I can do it. It's that close. I'm... I'm right there. Well, I think it happens a lot. And I've noticed this, even, you know, back when I worked in restaurants and people, other people like who used to work there or whatever would get a commercial. And I'd be always like, that's cool. But there'd always be one person. I can't believe it. And it's like, you know, if you have that attitude, you're not going to book a job. It's like a work ethic. If you go to work, you know, let's say you're a janitor. If you're a crappy janitor, when you go to act, you're probably gonna be a crappy actor. Right, exactly. But if you're the best janitor around, when you go to act, you'll probably nail it. Yeah, well, there's that saying, it's not good enough that you succeed, but all your friends must fail as well. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I've always felt that to be as the best I can be at whatever I'm doing, um, I might as well commit. I, I After the great career crash, of, sorry, uh, after the great career crash of 1995, I ended up working as a wizard uh, in a show in Vegas at Caesar's Palace, and I was literally singing about the veal, like, just try the veal. Hey, you know what, though? You, but the thing is, you're resilient. Yeah, and a friend of mine came to see it, and he said, you know, and I you know, was wearing the purple robe and the crown and everything and doing horrible magic tricks, and a friend of mine said, you know, you, you're really good in this, and you could just sort of throw it away and make fun of it. And I said, well, you know, I'm here. I might, might as well commit. Right, and so I've always sort of felt that way. Just do as good a job as I can. Okay, yeah, that's just that's a, you know you have to. But yeah. so I'm I'm looking at your resume, and um, it's funny. I don't like as I said, I don't like glasses oh, right. on. So I'm looking here. So I have the IMDb here. I mean, I have the IMDb here, and the and the um, the Wikipedia. That's what I always do because Wikipedia right. gives you the facts real quick. Right. The IMDb gives you the backbone, the right. outline. But so so you sat there, you did the, the commercial. What was your first paid? I know because you were in the Facts of Life. Was that your first paid sitcom? No, or? the first uh, speaking role I had was a show called. Uh, it was called Making Out. Then it, it became a series, and it was called Things Are Looking Up. And yeah, and I actually ended up getting a recurring role on that when I went to series. And that yeah, I had one line on that. Are we going to be tested on this? That was my line. And then they called, kept calling you back. Yeah, though. kept calling me back. Now they must they must probably like it. I mean, that happens a lot of times. People say they come in for one episode, then all of a sudden they go, "Wow, I was back." I mean, look at yeah. Breaking Bad. The guy was supposed right. Jesse was supposed, supposed to be off after the first year. Yeah, and now. I mean, if without him, the show would have sucked, probably. Right. Okay, so, so you're working, and now you were in a series called Spencer. Right. So my first, I, I, I started making a living in 1984. Uh, was I, that from the recurring? N- no, it's sort of. I you know, was saving my money, and I had done this educational film, and it went way over budget. Way, way over budget, and it was too long. It was like took three weeks to shoot this three-day thing. So I made, at the time, it was a lot of money. I made five grand from that. And so I'd been around and I'd done some stuff and I had gotten I had gotten a part in a pilot that I was fired from and I'd gotten a lead in a movie that was shut down after three days. So I thought, well, I'm right there. Right. I'm right there. I can do this. And I said, so this is the year. And so I'm going to do this. And fortunately, it paid off. And I, I, I got Spencer. That was my first series. There. Well, it's funny. Is I, I see, it's just funny because uh, you were in... Um the uh, Fast Times was a series, yeah. and you played Spicoli, yes. which is just weird because Eric Stoltz was in the original Fast Times. Right, and I was roommates with them, and, and 
Jeff would call the house. Okay. And, you know, Jeff Spicoli would call the house, and, and I'd say, who's Jeff? And he's like, oh, this guy, Sean, he's the, plays Jeff, and he insists on being called <laughs> was, Jeff. Was he always in the character? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny, yeah. though? It's just so, yeah. it's so weird, because like, that's something, it's like, back, like, when you talk to older comics, you know, the, the, the stories, that, you know, them going on the road with the comedy condos, but, like, you guys, it's just such a cool, I mean, it's just, yeah. it, what's, and that, for me, that's, like, the, the golden era. That's when stuff was cool. You yeah. Know, the TV shows cool, and the 80s movies were coming out, and now all the kids are watching that 80s stuff again, right. and they're all getting a new, you know, a new thing into it. Right, and so so that you do the Fast Times, and I actually I drove Eric to the audition for Fast Times, and I read for I read for the movie, I read for, read for the part of Demone. It went well. I'm waiting to hear. Okay, that's <laughs> no, no, actually Demone Richard uh, Robert, Rob, he was on the show. Oh, cool. And he said it was like they kept calling him back yeah. and back like like six times. That was for the TV series. It took me six months to get that job. Really, that I didn't even want to do it was because it was such you know that that was a huge part. Right. Well, still, but why didn't you want to do it? Because I didn't want to be the. Everyone wanted to know who's the poor jerk that's going to be trying to be Sean Penn on TV. Okay. <laughs> oh me, great. But but see, but but, but they, it paid off. It would all and that sort of led to me getting summer school too. Wait, when well, you also were in the, what was the series? Was was with uh, you guys play some from outer space or oh. something like that? Because that's when you would you had really you had good hair in that. <laughs> and that's the thing. I always look at that. Like cause I, I used to, I used to have good hair, uh-huh. and I sit there and it's like we were talking about John Mata. I always say John. I said you still have good hair. Awesome. And back in the day he's. Like, he goes, Cooper, you, you have good hair. And I go, not anymore. But so that was, uh, what was that? That was called They Came From Outer Space. Okay. And that was sort of at the end of everything. Okay. okay. So, but now, so the summer school, yeah. as everyone, people, I, and that is a classic. Yeah. It's because Mark Harmon and uh, Kirstie, Kirstie Alley. Alley and uh, and you wore a baseball hat in that lot, right? Yeah. The, okay. the, the, How did that come apart? Was that your first, like, was that your first big thing for that a was big my feature? First, for first a, big movie, yeah. Okay. My first movie. That okay. was, yeah. I, so, and I totally got spoiled from that. <laughs> did your agent sit there and go, we got a great opportunity for you? Or did they see you on something before? Or how'd that work? No, I, they submitted me and they, I went in and read for, I read for it. What was interesting is that Amy Heckerling was supposed to direct that movie. And she was, t- she was in pre-production for it while we were doing Fast Times, the series. And she was talking to Patrick, Patrick Dempsey and Wallace Langham were also in Fast Times, the TV series. And she was talking to them saying, there's these two great parts, Chainsaw and Dave, that you guys would be great for. Well, I'm sitting there going, hey, I want to be in, a, in your movie. Can I be in your movie? And so what happened was that uh, her Carl Reiner had another movie at Paramount that fell through. And the Paramount said, pick a script. And he picked, uh, he picked Summer School. So the writer had been aware of me from Fast Times. Okay. And so when I went in to read, they sort of knew who I was. And 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 the great thing about doing Fast Times was it put me on the map in Hollywood because, like I said, everybody wanted to know who was going to play that right. part. So from that, I got a better agent. All the, uh, oops, sorry. That's right. Got to stop using my hand so much. No, uh, it's fine. It's fine. I, <laughs> I do it all the time. I, I just learn where to thud. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. So I went in, I read a couple times and, and booked the gig. And it was, you know, I read the script and I thought, this is my, this is my job. Now, when you were doing Fast Times before Summer School, did people recognize you? I mean, were you getting some, a moniker of, because I'm sure after Summer School, people would recognize you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, at that point, did people recognize you or they say, oh, they uh, go, oh, that looks like the guy or? A, a little bit. The, some uh, 13, 14 year old girls were really you know, like, into great. Me. Why can't yeah, I get like, exactly. an 18 year old? Cool. Person. Now, how old were you? And college guys. Drunken college guys, which is still sort of the, my my. Uh, How old were you at the time? Uh, I think it's twenty two, twenty one, twenty two. Yeah. So it must be weird that you're twenty two and you get the series, and you know, and but the thing is, you always you had the perseverance. You knew you were right there. Mm-hmm. Then you got it, 
And then you get this movie. And now you're 22, and the movie's a hit. And right. it's just, it's a fun movie. Right. Back when, you know, critics may not like it, but right. it's one of these teenage guys see it. And, you know, if, if you talk to anyone over 40, if you just mention summer school, right. they automatically know it. Right. How did that change your life? Well, it, it, what's interesting is that it wasn't a big hit during that year. Um, Lost Boys came out the same week or the week before and sort of beat everything. And it, and Lost Boys was really cool. Right. And had all the cool kids. And so summer school was sort of pushed off to the side. However, uh, I Paramount noticed something about my performance and liked me. So I got this really nice deal, a development deal at Paramount to do a feature film and a TV series. And then the soon after the writers decided to go on strike. So that just it really screwed up my career actually uh because i didn't work for about a year after that and i'd built up all this momentum right and then it just it just stopped and i was never really able to get that momentum going again with that excitement and it, it was pretty heartbreaking now what year was what year was the strike uh, i guess it was 88 or 89 okay and but then so but the movie came out and you're still working and, you know yeah. you, you get different you i mean right. you, you started working after that though right well a little bit i i squeezed in a i, I managed to squeeze in this movie called bad dreams which is a horror film and then yeah it was about a year and a half before i worked again now what do you go through when you do that i mean it's like any it's anything you know i mean as as in anyone in a performance field we're you know we're insecure and i think mm-hmm. we we overanalyze a lot we dwell it's like i sit there and go you know you know, I excited at the heart problem a while ago, but I wake up, you know, and I like stuff. I'm like, oh my god, like I have to go to the hot. You know, we, right. we overanalyze. Did you overanalyze a lot? Yeah, I thought too much, and I, I yeah, yeah. Because I think we do that, and I think it's sometimes, it's like we never give ourselves credit for what we've done or what we have. We always sit there and go, we have to have this. I think right. it's a very weird thing in our subconscious. I, well, I think that's a, sort of a human thing, is we're always trying to improve and get better and and make make our surroundings better which is why we have civilization you know? exactly yeah. so you go through you're going through now you're getting some parts but you, you said about the 95 what happened in 1995 i just stopped working it was uh you just couldn't get work couldn't, or you couldn't just... get a gig um i i started losing my hair um which changed my look quite a bit and i, I just it was just not happening i also was i had sort of gotten pigeonholed into this sort of wacky guy because you were in ski school I was too in ski and school yeah. and and then i needed the money so i did ski school too and this other horrible movie called miracle beach and that people just stopped hiring me and i also didn't enjoy the work because those roles were roles you were doing when you were younger and you're probably right. going you know i don't i want to grow because right. i mean you you've been in the craft for a long time right. you know and you used to hang out with those guys and you guys all acted in different things and right. you've been acting in plays since you were i mean you got a review when you were four right i mean that's i mean that's that's amazing right. I, mean, I mean i was telling someone how i wrote an article about an eagles quarterback mike Barilla, when i was like eight awesome. and my mom took her me to this little <laughs> bar called the crest tavern a bar restaurant and i interviewed him and the cherry hill news put it in you oh. know but I, but you know but i'm it was a local paper but it was i'm still thinking now the paper would never do that because sure. it's, it's like what well, was it in crayon you right. know but it's like that but you say you said but you've been you were an actor and you know you're good at what you're doing right. and when you're getting pigeonholed as you say right. it must suck and then the other thing about hollywood is now it's funny is because now that you're bald and like i'm bald you, you get a lot more auditions um, and it's, the it's beard, changed then the, the beard, beard makes has, it looks like you could be a professor you can be a, you're distinguished that's the yeah. thing and it's like you know it's just weird how in the middle it went there. That's so, so how did you end up with the wizard thing? How did that, that all come apart? Did you <laughs> well, I mean, audition for it? Or? No, suddenly, uh, the, 
the actually the person who sort of got me into the business, this guy Gary Goddard, he runs this entertainment empire where they build attractions for theme parks. Okay. And they built this thing called Caesar's Magical Empire at Caesar's Palace, and I was I had no money. No money and I was gonna lose my apartment and all this and I and my car and I said, I, I need some money, I don't know what to do and he said, Well, you could go be a wizard for eight hundred bucks a week. Hey. Okay. Yeah. So I went and lived in Las Vegas for six months and and it was great it changed my life just for the better well Vegas, Vegas I lived in Vegas for a year and it was, it, it, this was probably in yeah, 20 years ago mm-hmm. and uh, very uh, very different back then and just a very weird weird feel it, it's like it's not that there's always the tourists it's just like it seems like so many people there are sort of miserable like they get like my neighbor would sit there and he, was, he made okay money mm-hmm. but he would go out to gamble like he was making 100000 a year and he'd come back and he'd knock on the door coop 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 but buddy he's like I just lost all my rent. We have to go. Out. I have to go back and get it. I go. What he goes? I got taken advance of something. And he would walk in and just like play like like me. Here's the guy. I go. If I even now, if I go to Vegas, I'll play the nickel slots. Right. You know, because it's fun. And right. then, you know, he'd be like putting five dollar things in and shh, and uh. I'm like, you just lost. Five, you know, I mean, you. It was just crazy. I think a lot of people like that. There was sort of a thing of desperation there. I always said that people in Vegas, people who lived there, were either at the beginning or the end of something in their lives. That's true. Yeah, that makes sense. So now you, you do the Vegas Wizard. So what happened? You said that changed your life. I a lot of good personal stuff happened. I I, I, I you don't have to talk about it anymore. anyway. I I I realized that I, I met this. Guy, I met Pendulette. Okay. I, I had been friends with him, but I ended up becoming really. He became one of my best friends, and Penn's really smart and sort of embraces that it's okay to be different and it's actually good and you don't have to do what everybody says you have to do. And that was one of my things was I was listening to all these people saying what I should be and what my life should be and what I should talk about and not talk about. And I finally realized that I, I just need to be me. Right. And once I realized that, I don't know, I still had a hard time for a few years after that because that transition is difficult. But you're going in the right direction. Yeah. And so I finally sort of embraced that I was not whatever, but... So, that's cool. Though. Yeah. That's good. I mean, that's that's true because it's it, people do sometimes out in any and it's in any profession they're never themselves. Right. So you see someone, then you see them somewhere else, and they're like shut down right. real quietly. Like, well, you're just like yelling out. You know, right. I used to meet that with the comics. You know, they'd be doing their act in the bar before the show, and it's like, dude, or hey, we're the comics. Don't tell people that because right. then that puts pressure on us. Right. I know. Say you're something just, funny. Yeah, it's exactly. And I'm like, I know you're just trying to get laid, but I'm not here to get laid. I'm right. here to perform. And if I get laid, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, exactly. But so, so, you, so when, when you leave, when you decide to move back to LA? Well, my I had a six month contract there, so I okay. moved back in 1997, and then it was a very t- difficult few years, and still I was not getting work, um, and I didn't know what to do. I was I wrote, so I. I had a computer, and a friend of mine suggested I learn HTML. So I learned HTML, and we developed a web. This is 1999. We developed a web a web service, and I had I had this new skill, and I got a job at a, a web company. And for the last well, for ten years, I worked as a web developer until last year. I decided. I, I hate it. <laughs> well, that's, you said you wrote. Now, did you always write as a kid? I mean, did you write stuff or was not, it? Cause not, 
Not enough. Okay. Yeah. And but, what, what do you mean? Did you, did you think you could have written more? Yeah. And, and so I wrote a, a friend and I wrote a feature film and we sold it and it got made in 2000. It's called Hollywood Palms. Really good movie. Really good movie. It came out exactly, unlike everyone else, it came out exactly the way I, I wanted it to. Was it a comedy or a drama? It's, it's comedy. Certain okay. dark comedy. And um, I think it was made about two, year, two years too late. It was a little talky. Um, but... Anyway, but so no one really paid attention to that, to it, and because my agents and managers had always been saying, "You got to write something for yourself," and blah 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 blah. And so I did, and like, here it is. And they didn't come to the screening, and I thought, "Well, screw screw all of you. I'm gonna go be a web developer." Right. Goodbye. And so I, I dropped out of showbiz. When we talked off air real quick about uh, music, now well, what do you play? I play bass, the okay. tool of ignorance. Now I, I like basses. I mean, I always sit there. I used to love uh, Benjamin Orr of the Cars. Oh, yeah. Was a great bass. Yeah. Who people, a lot of people know, sang Drive. Who right. unfortunately passed away at a very yeah. young age. But yeah. but everyone always thought, you know, okay, sick. But it's like no, like yeah, that yeah. video. And the funny thing is, Paula Provascone. It was it was in Okay, Sick's wife, Paula oh. Petro, the big know. model. Oh 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 oh, Porsakova. Yeah, she was in the Drive video, right. I think. And I think they actually had like. I think Okasik may have been singing it in singing, the video, yeah. even though it's not him. It's, right. it's been, see, that's always sucks. Like the one basis. Who are some of your favorite bassists over the time? Uh, Chris Squire, Getty Lee, John Paul Jones. Um, Chris Squire was yes, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember I saw them in the round, and they were just uh, yeah, I saw that. They were amazing, and it was so funny. It was it was them. It was when it was them when it was uh, Wakeman and Anderson, and then they left, and it was. Trevor Horn uh, yeah, and Jeff Downs. And what's funny is years later, I'm at a bar in Burbank and my friend knew Jeff Downs wow. who had started, a, he was an Asian in the beginning. Right. And he was in this new age with this guy, John Payne, who's been in a few things. And it was just, some, I'm, and so when I smoke cigarettes and we're sitting on the patio of Fantasia Billiards down here and we're <laughs> drinking a beer and we're smoking a cigarette. I'm sitting there going, holy crap. When I was like in 12th, I mean, it's I'm like, this is, it's so weird how things like that happen. And, and I, you don't want to gush right. because it's like, Bottom line is, you were in yes. You know, right. you're the first video ever. Video kill. They were right. buggles. Right. It's just weird. So, did you grow up always loving music? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That it. It. You know. Speaking of meeting someone who you love, I met Robert Plant. Oh, at, that must have been amazing. Oh, yeah. And so it was backstage at or at the Forum Club at at a Boston concert. And so I and having been assaulted or you know interrupted by fans, not at the level he is. I understood you don't want to say something stupid. So I walked around the forum club for like 10 minutes thinking, what, what can I say? What can I say to Robert Plant? I have to say something. I have to say something. Do I have to say that? I have to. So I finally, I went up to him and I said, hello, my name is Dean. You don't know me, but you got me through high school. Thank you. And he said, oh, I'm very glad. You're welcome. Okay. And That's I'm, so I'm, cool. Yeah, man. it was really cool. It is funny because it's nerve wracking. It's like yeah. me. Like I love Bruce Springsteen. I, if I would, I would be like, oh, what do I say? It'd be the same right. if I met Woody Allen. I'd be like, right. what, what, what do you say? Yeah. But uh, so, so but yeah. A, so, but but music got me through high school, and I, I loved it, and. I just love music. I what love made you choose the bass? Because that's like it's like a lot of times people say, "Well, I'm a guitarist." I think if you're a little crazy, you become a drummer. Right. And uh, but what made you choose the? If bass? If you don't have a girlfriend, you become a drummer. Right. I, well, I, well, I played guitar. I started playing guitar like everyone. And then in the '80s, during the guitar wars, I just I don't have that time to practice. Okay. And I'm not that good. And everybody needs a bass player. Right. And so I, I switched to bass. That's cool. So uh, when we said when you said about the moniker fame, what was some of the weirdest things that ever happened to you back? Like after, you know, when you were. Uh, after summer school was there anything that some people were just rude because I always crack up some people tell stories of rudity or like this they go like you know like Fritz yeah. P Fritz Coleman the weatherman was on and he's like some guy was like bitching at him because he promised he, he forecast rain so they changed the wedding from this thing and, and it, it was sunny and, and 
Right. He's like, I, I just I got off work, man. I don't. Yeah. Right. So is there anything weird about that? Uh, I, yeah, people often enjoy insulting movies that I've been in to my face. Which well, I, I don't understand that. I do. I think because I'm, I'm there. I'm whatever a celebrity or whatever. I'm there. They have people have so much baggage with celebrities in our culture that there's so much stuff and, and angst and their celebrities are famous and weird. And, and so if you meet one, I think some people want to just insult them so they can feel like they, it doesn't mean anything to them. Okay. But because they do that, it means something to them. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. By doing that, you, you've tipped your hand that you, I'm somehow important to you. Well, it, it's gotten worse now with Twitter because, yeah. I mean, you hear people just rip and it's like, God, you know, first of all, if you see someone say something, but when you put something in writing, first of all, it can come back to you yeah. because that person can retweet that thing right. and their followers can say, why are you being mean to right. this person? Right. But so what's something that, something that happened to but, you? But, but so what happens is someone says, you know, ski school, that movie's horrible, blah, blah, blah. And my reply is, I paid my rent for a year from that. You watched it. Right. So who's the loser? <laughs> that's true. And that's so funny. It's like, and anyone, I mean, everyone knows, especially if you live out here, the process, it's not anyone can walk in and be in a movie. Right. You know, it's not like you're sitting, you, yeah. you just sat there, you know, oh yeah, I've just popped out here. I'm going to, you know. Right. So um, I'm, I'm just looking at your, 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 uh, your Wikipedia page. There's so much different stuff you do that's really cool. I saw your whole thing about the, uh, you uh, got involved with uh, um, Steel Panther. Steel Panther, right. Now, yeah. I've never seen them. And I've heard, and I love the music. Everyone says Steel they're Panther. amazing. Yeah, you got to see Steel Panther. Now, here's a question about them because you probably know them. Is is the one singer the same guy that used to be in the Atomic Punks? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. I saw the Atomic Punks yeah. at the Whiskey ages ago. Right. Okay. Yeah, I played in a band with the drummer and the guitar player of Steel Panther, and that's how I became friends with Steel Panther. And we are, a, I did, just directed this uh, sort of pilot presentation to get them a TV series. And this very big company is drawing up an offer right now as we speak. So that's so cool. It's pretty cool. There are just people. If you're not familiar, Steel Panther. It's it's basically it's a, it's. I mean, explain the group. It's I mean, an it's a very interesting thing. It's I think it's uh, this great it's, idea. It's like the Shanana of our generation. It's an '80s heavy metal band, uh, sort of a parody, but they have this the chops and the songs are great, and so it's. Is it a parody or is it real? I mean, this the the lyrics are pretty intense and you know very uh, sort of tongue in cheek, but they play these festivals, you know, for 150,000 people who don't speak English who are there to rock and right. they rock them. I mean, they open for Guns N' Roses, they toured with Motley Crue and Def Leppard overseas. They're a, a they're a heavy metal band, and uh, they're just great. And they're they're the nicest guys you've ever met, and sort of stupid and wonderful and. Well, you've written a few of their songs, and I wrote wrote songs on two of their albums. Now, okay, now is that was that your first venture into songwriting, or when you were in a, when you said when you when you were in a band, were, were you a cover band or an original? band? I was an original band. Uh, I did a back in the late '80s. I was in this trio, but with Russ and Darren, who were in Steel Panther, we did. I was in this band called the Thornbirds, and we actually have a record out. We, oh, cool! We got a little small record deal, and it uh, was a 500 with an anchor, as they say. So. What's that mean? Okay. <laughs> now, now, what kind of music was that? It was like heavy power pop, heavy rock. Were you a metal? Tricky. Were you a metal fan? Or, or I like. Uh, it's in, do you do you have XM radio? There's this channel yes. called Ozzy's Boneyard. That's the music I like. My it's, friend has a uh, 
podcast in there, Jim Florentine. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Jim. Jim's, yeah, Jim I, came in here. He was on here. I mean, him used to, Jim was on when he was in taping the metal show. Me and Jim used to do comedy. Me, him, and Reverend Bobby Levy. Huh. And it was back, you know, and you know, we all had hair. And right. Jim used to be, Jim, I'm Jim, and Jim. Right. And he were like these tight white jeans. And I, me and Bobby, like these leather overcoats. And you look at wow. a gun, it was so like late 80s, right. maybe early 90s. But I, 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 is it a good station, the Aussie Spoken? Yeah, it's because it's, it's the 80s metal without all the hair. Okay. <laughs> no, because for me, it's so funny because uh, I, I go on the Sirius, and whenever I have a party, you know, we I mean, when my girlfriend comes when comes out, we usually have a party, and uh, we always put her serious account on. And I usually do the uh, first wave because I love oh, the eighties yeah. stuff. Yeah. But I'm gonna have to listen to that because there's also there's like there's one you're talking about. The hair is called Hair Nation. Hair Nation, right? Now, do you hate that? It's 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 okay occasionally to cleanse the palate. But the you know the Aussie's Boneyard has is like Dio and Black Sabbath and uh, sort of the heavier eighties metal that you know not the Taiketo and TNT stuff, it's right? The, the guys with the balls. What got you into heavy metal? You think? Because it's I just. just it. Do you like it? Did, yeah. did you like? Because I love. I love when I hear heavy metal. I just love the guitar, like the boom, boom, boom. You know, just the yeah. real thing going. Well, I like that there's a, a a level of of skill and woodshedding that those guys go through to get that good. You know, sitting on the edge of your bed during high school, learning your minor pentatonic scale, and willy, 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 willy. that's it's, tough. That's hard yeah, to do. It's amazing, and, and I, I also when I would go to this place Fantasia a guy and I can't think of his, his first name is Guthrie or Garland oh Guthrie Gu Govan yeah he was now everyone says and I know people who are musicians right. that say he is just a monster he's a monster yeah and he was in when when Jeff Downs left whatever the Asia John Payne started his own Asia right and Guthrie was there back and he would always sit there and he was he never he never looked like if you looked at him you wouldn't think he was like this monster rock star because he had sort of curly blonde hair right. and he always wore like a denim jacket with like a the, the fur collar but very like more like lumberjack looking huh. and he would always I smoke cigarettes before I quit he would always roll drums Huh. This drum, and he right. always, I, he'd be in the patio. I come to him. He goes, "Cooper, can I draw, draw you a cigarette?" And then I just hear how like everyone says, "Oh my!" God. Like I know a guy who plays guitar. He's like, "Oh my god, you know that guy?" You, and I'm like, "Yeah, I, yeah." He's yeah. With, and, and it's just amazing. Wow. So it's so funny, like because the guitarists and anyone who's into that genre, like the metal, you guys know people, the guitarists that like no one's ever heard of, but these people are so much better than anyone. the people they've heard of. Right, right. That's crazy. So, uh, what were some of your favorite bands growing up? Uh, the usual Zeppelin, yeah, seventies, you know, Le Zeppelin and Rush, and yes, and uh, Zeppelin, Thin Lizzy, or Love Thin Lizzy. Love Thin Lizzy. Yeah. Someone just posted something today, yeah. a, a video clip of them. Now, now you, you said you wrote the songs. Well, in your band, you wrote songs. Yeah. Now, for when you wrote for Steel Panther, because one's Girl from Oklahoma, the other's right. Supersonic Sex Machine. <laughs> yeah. I just, which are great titles, <laughs> and especially now it makes sense, Girl from Oklahoma, because right. now when you write for them, are you? Because as you said, they're is it parody? Is it not? They're monster musicians, right. but and their songs are somewhat funny or dark. Right. Is it different than you would write like back in your day for the other band? Or do you have to sit there and go, okay, there has to be a little funniness into it, or, or what's that? Yeah, with Girl from Oklahoma, that was I came up with the riff and the sort of the, the melody and the words, and, and just took it to Russ and said, I, I've got this crazy idea because it was a ballad. It's a little acoustic. It's based on more than words. The okay. song. It's sort of that power and, ballads. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so he f fleshed it out with me, and, and they recorded it, whatever. But and the other one, Russ had the idea for the song, and had me come in and just help with the lyrics. Okay. So you know, he, and yeah, and and because that one, there was a lot of science stuff in it, or fake, you know, pseudoscience. Um, I, I guess he thought I would be good because I 
sort of like that stuff. That's good though. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, now you directed one of their videos. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is that your first time directing a music video? Or yeah, yeah. Had you directed anything else before? Not on film, no. Did you? Did oh you... no, yeah, I did. I directed a short film. Okay, uh, but, but music video seems so different though, because it's like music, and especially I'm sure their music videos are just awesome. I mean, it's one of those yeah. things like they 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 know like when, remember when videos, the heavy metal videos used to be like even Motley Crue, you know, coming into like the the Devil's Pit or right. whatever, just their big elaborate thing. Right. Were you? a little nervous because you never directed a move a, a video before and you knew there were friends of yours which must be thing but it's just like it has to be you know it had to be cool yeah no i knew exactly what i wanted to do and and i have worked with this this director of photography who's she's great and so we had like two thousand dollars and we did this amazing video for two thousand dollars and Where'd it looks shoot great it? we shot it part of it at the roxy and part of it at this little soundstage and in, in hollywood that someone gave us for a morning so in. were you happy how it came out oh love it love okay. it it's, now, it's fat girl the name of the video can they find, on, can yeah, find it on youtube it's on, i think or it's on it? youtube yeah i think so universal took it down for a while and then rebranded it or something i don't know but yeah it's fat girl steel panther that's cool though because that's always it's so funny because you always think video directing because it has to be so short but they have to tell a story and and you know and because it, it's them it has to be sort of glamorous and when you have two thousand dollars i mean that's not I mean, you bu- did, were you guys calling in favors? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like I need DP. Okay, yeah. you can do it for you know. Yeah. That's awesome though. Yeah. That's cool. So so okay. So now I want to talk to you about uh, your Nigerian span ah, skin. Okay. Now, I, now that's when, I, and it's funny because I known you and I'd, I not know you personally, but I've seen you in different things, and I think. I, I don't know if it was I was reading something or Facebook, which everyone sees stuff on Facebook. They they sat there and it was uh, I think someone posted something about it or what I think John my friend John Mata may have mentioned mm. it to me and I don't I'm, you know explain what it is to the listeners and just and it's a it's a cool idea yeah I you know the Nigerian scam letters please help me and I'll give you 30 million dollars of I'll give you 10% of 30 million dollars I had always wondered what would happen if you wrote back to one of those guys and so I would always write back writing I would just write great do you have any toast and see if anyone replied and finally one guy did and I was doing I was doing this uh, series called Mr. Sterling, and I had a really small part on it, but I had to be there a lot. So I had all this free time, and they had Wi-Fi on the soundstage. So I started a correspondence with this Nigerian scammer. But so you responded to him one about the toast, right? And then it just he wrote from there. back, and so I started writing writing as this version of myself that only my shrink understands, which, which is this sort of sexually confused millionaire who lives in Florida with his cats, Mr. Snickers and Jojo the Dancing Clown. Now, how did you come up with that? Because it's, it's such a great development. I I, it's like anything with writing. We just come up with stuff. I know, but it's just like, <laughs> but it's so funny. And, and it's just so, I mean, so you would start and, right back. Yeah, right? and I had a, and, and I have a, Dean Cameron, this millionaire in Florida, has a houseboy named Quan from Florida who may be his buddy. And okay. Maybe <laughs> he may be 12. We don't know. <laughs> you know what's funny about it? Do you, do you watch Homeland? No, no. Okay, well, there's this, there was, he's the one guy's in this island, and there's this doctor. It, it's, and he, he's, uh, you can tell he's gay, but he always has like this seven year old kid by his side who, like, wow. brought, and you're sitting there going, and, oh. he's, and he keeps saying, how oh, will you come here? Because you know, no one wants us in other places. And it's just, you don't know. I mean, right. you think it, but then you're like, that that's really be. pushing it, right, man. Because right. the kid's like this little, sev- I mean, right. it's sort of, it's a <laughs> TV show. It's yeah. sort of real dark. Right. So you start sending So, I, so I wrote back and, and the, and this was in the early 2000s. So they weren't as hip to that people were screwing with the scammers and people here weren't as hip to the scam. So I, 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 was just crazy enough 
and let him think I was rich enough to actually fall for the scam. And so I kept him on the, the hook for about a year. Saying you were thinking of donating yeah. money and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll send you the money. I'm going to send you the money. I'm talking to my attorney, Perry Mason, and we'll get the check off. No, you, you said Perry Mason? Yeah, Perry Mason and, and Owen Marshall, counselor at law, are my attorneys. <laughs> and I said, I'll, I'll send those off. But first, I've got these pictures of my cats. What do you think of my cats? And so he'd have to talk about my cats. And I ended up calling him twice. Yeah, so you actually made... On the phone, yeah. And I sent him packages of stuff after we did a tryout production of the show very, pretty early on just to see... Because uh, this guy, Paul Prevent... You know Paul Prevent? Yeah, he's been... He was one, he was, he was oh, okay. One, yeah. So Paul... I was sending the correspondence around to friends and Paul said, this has to be a show. You have to do this as a show. And so to try it out, we did it at this little theater for over a couple nights. And after the show, I said... I'll take up a collection and whatever you put in this box I will send to this scammer in Nigeria and so people put all this crap in like just uh, gift cards and spoons and yeah, right. like a gift card to a Friday's we have no Friday's yeah no Nigeria. exactly just all that stuff expired expired <laughs> you know the fake credit cards that people give you in right. the mail all that stuff and notes and pictures of cats and so I sent that and there was also four oops god Darn it. So there were four people put four dollar bills in there and some keys. People put old keys. And so I and we had talked about me sending him the two thousand dollars cash. And so I sent him the package and I said there was a problem when I transferred the money. So the two thousand dollars is just four dollars, but I'll find the rest of the money. But here are three keys and these are to my safety deposit boxes around the world. So that. So stuff like that. And I also sent him some avocados because there was this whole runner about my guacamole recipe. So I, I, I snuck, so you, you're mailing these to Nigeria, to Nigeria at 80, 90 bucks a pop. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking, I mean, yeah, it's not cheap. Yeah. Especially cause I, mean, I can even, can you even send, send avocados? Uh, officially? No. No. Okay. That's because that's always crack up <laughs> when you come in from Vegas. They're like, Oh, if you drive from Vegas, go, do you have any illegal fruit? No, but we have a, a few illegal aliens. Yeah. In the back a pound seat. of cocaine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. there's no avocado. <laughs> so you send them avocados. Right. Now that, now in real life, do you make good guacamole? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Make a damn good guacamole. Okay, I'm just wondering because that'd be great if you, you <laughs> sour cream, tomato, <laughs> onion, garlic, soup, lemon juice. That sounds good. Yeah. So okay, so you're sending them all this box. So I send him all this stuff, and he is also he's writing as himself, whoever, or not himself, but he's writing as this guy Ibrahim, and he's also writing as his mother Miriam Abacha. And at one point, I forwarded him an email from another scammer. This uh, this guy. Uh, anyway, I forwarded him and said. This is really weird because this other guy in Nigeria has the exact same problem as you. What are the odds of that? And he wrote me, and this is the turning point in our correspondence when I knew that I had something. He said, please don't pay any attention to any email coming from Nigeria. Wait a minute. There was this amazing moment. Uh, that, and that's when I knew oh, I, ha I definitely have a show here because he, he's just said something crazy funny. And... So then he started posing as the other scammer saying, don't listen, I can't help you anymore because I had alluded that I had sent this other guy all this oh, money okay. and checks okay. and wow. was ready to meet him in Amsterdam. And so finally, the my scammer said, yeah, yeah, he posing as the other guy saying, don't don't send me any money. Don't help me anymore. Help this other guy that you're talking about. So that was very funny. And then another great thing, they want you to go to Amsterdam because they have uh, they have people all over the world. Um, and so they wanted me to go to Amsterdam. So a friend of mine was going to Amsterdam on business. So I had him call, call from a payphone in Amsterdam just to in sort of increase my credibility, right? Because he got a phone call from Amsterdam. 
and he said uh, uh, there there was this runner about the hawk. Like if you have to put the hawk at the top of your email, because then I'll know it's real. It's really from you because I know the government's watching us. So my friend called and left a message saying the hawk <laughs> and meow meow. <laughs> and so I it helped because he like and I said you you weren't there. I had the money. I had the two thousand dollars in cash and I was ready to give it to you, you bastard. <laughs> So it was great. So so that goes on. And how does now? Did you keep corresponding with him? Well, yes. As a matter of fact, I did. And he eventually found the website that I had put together because at that point I was sending every scammer who sent me an email. I would just send. This sounds really cool. Go to this website. Tell me what you think. Which was spamscamscam.com that had all the correspondence and pictures. And oh, all. so you would get from when you would get a scammer, you would send it yeah. to the scam site, so they'd be like, "Man, we just got scammed." Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, but I think he had <coughs> my scammer had written me as another scammer, and and I had sent him in, in invariably to my my site. So he found the site and and wrote again as a scammer. He, very impressive. He said, "You've broken my heart." He wrote me as the mother saying, "You've broken my heart. How could you do this to me?" Putting up our correspondence. So at this point, we've been touring with the show. Okay, so the show it was you and another... This guy, Victor Isaac. Now, how did you find him for the part? Uh, I, he's the only black guy I know. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. but, but, was he an actor? He actually, he, I had worked with him as a wizard in in Las Vegas, and then we ended up both ended up at this theater company, Sacred Fools, uh, doing plays there. And, and now he actually lives next door to me. Really? Him and his wife. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, so so you guys are on the road. Now, where were you playing? I mean, We was, play... I, did you say you were at Just for Laughs and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, we did or? Just for Laughs. We did, the, we did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival twice. What was that like? I've heard... I've heard it's, it's just... It's good. There's so much stuff going on. Like, I yeah. hear comics post on Facebook. They'll do like seven sets in a day or a night or... I mean, it's crazy. There's 3,000 shows going on. Um, most of them are awful. Like most art, every you know, most art is bad. Most of the shows are god awful, and it's gotten very commercial now. So all these comedy uh, management companies and production companies will sponsor someone. And fortunately, that w- we were sponsored and taken over there. So if you have someone behind you, have money behind you, you can do okay. But it's a zoo. Now, how did how was it how was it taken over there? Was it was it taken? It, to- it was great. It, it, yeah, we were selling out, and we actually got invited back the following year because we did so well. The producers put us in a bigger theater. Did Did you notice? Uh, did you notice a difference in the uh, American response to it and the the, the Scottish response? The people in the UK are a little bit more politically correct than we are, which is very odd because their comics are groundbreaking. There are guys over there years ahead of what people are doing okay. in, the, in the U.S. So it's this very weird dichotomy. So people, like you, you're horrible taking advantage of those poor people in in Africa. Like well, no, no, no. They're taking advantage of us. They're criminals. Yes. They'll kill you for a dollar. Isn't that funny? That you sit there and it's funny you say that because people like that. But then when they hear on, on the news story where an old person gave their savings away, which is awful, right. that person's awful. But what this person's doing is just yeah. doing the same thing. But if you're stupid enough to fall for that, I, I mean, it's like, it's on Facebook now, I keep getting, I don't know why, I get these messages from like these random girls, like like my name is such and such from right. France. Or, and then sometimes people will request me, and I don't know if they listen to the show, right. so you, you, you have to do it, and they have like 12 mutual friends, but then I know the audience comics just add anyone, right. and then I go, well, okay. But it's just weird, it's just weird, and you know it's some kind of scam, like, oh, I would like to talk to you, mm-hmm. here's my email. No, I'm not gonna send you my email. Right. So so people were uh, over there were cooler about it. 
not sometimes sometimes but it went very well there you know they it was a big thing and we so we got this booking agent and so we started doing small theaters in in the united states it was pretty nice we did that for about four or five years now is that your first time on the road pretty much yeah yeah what do you think of the road i liked it um we didn't go out we would do sort of one-offs so we weren't really touring Okay. So we, you know, we have a month off and we go do two nights. Dude, that's and, cool. Yeah, it was nice. I would, I would, I really like hotels. I love hotels. I like being on location. I like that I don't have any of my stuff and that everything is very uh, regimented. Um, it helps me be creative. Oh, because you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, it, it's so funny. I used to, when I did comedy, I was, all the, when I was young doing on the road, all the comics, older comics would say, okay, always uh, leave your TV on. When you leave the room, so someone thinks there's someone only in, always in there. But it's like, yeah, but dude, they see on the, our pictures on the right. thing that the show is at eight o'clock. They know we're not in the room. Right. So now you, you're on the road for a while with the show. Yeah. Now, did you stop doing it? Uh, no. Well, we just actually remounted production. But what happened was that the ending was a little weird because it ended with him finding the website, and okay. then I would just talk about me trying to get him back on, on the line. So I finally sent him some other stuff. This the guy, the guy in Nigeria. I sent him another package. I, I sent him a package with all the press clippings, copies of the press clippings, and our press pack from the booking agent, saying the show is going really, really well. Um, maybe you'd like to invest. And he wrote me an email back. Fortunately, because I didn't want to have to keep sending packages. Right. Saying Especially those avocados, eighty bucks a pop. Yeah, saying burn in hell. So I got him back on the line, and I wrote him again. Finally, this great idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. I wrote him as Perry Mason, saying, "The show is now a huge Broadway hit. It's making millions and millions of dollars, and you are technically co-writer. And I hate Dean Cameron. I hate him. I hate what he's doing with this guy Quan because it's amoral, and I hate what he did to you because you're just a poor guy in Africa." So I would like to represent you in your claim against Dean Cameron. It's so brilliant. It's like it's like so fun. I just keep going. It's just cracking me and, up. And uh, so he he took a while, but I finally got him back in. Okay, I scammed him, and I said, finally, I said, you can. I'm ready to do this lawsuit, but you need to retain me. You can either give me three hundred and fifty dollars, thirty five dollars, or three dollars and fifty cents. He wrote me a sort of nasty email. And then about three weeks later, I got a check for $3.50 in the mail. <laughs> so I scammed, scammed. And that, and I was so happy because well, that is a great ending. It's a, I mean, yeah. that's perfect, though. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's so funny because it, it goes full circle. But yeah. it's just that's what's amazing about projects sometimes when you don't, you never thought when you were writing these letters, you, you said you're probably you're bored, you wanted to do something. Yeah. Who would ever thought it would become a show that you took on the road and then has had, a, it's been around for a while. 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. So, but yeah. it's at, finally in 10 years, it, yeah. Gets it gets finished, right? So, what, are you going to put? Are you putting it up again? We just did it again. Um, Where at? I'm, we did it at this little theater in Hollywood called Stephanie Fury Studio Theater. I'm now. Everybody wants to see a DVD of it, and we've taped it a couple times, and it's never come out really well. So, I'm going to do a very big, a large uh, 
good quality shoot of it. So I'm going to do a Kickstarter thing and try okay. to raise twenty, thirty grand. Now, is it uh, is it just you two on stage? Is there props or anything, or how? how what's, no. what's, what does it look like? It's, is it just you guys talking? It's, or? it's very static. There have been producers who've wanted me to do a movie of it, and. I've written this script and it's an insane script, but the problem is it's two people who don't exist reading letter, d- d- writing letters, right. which is not cinematic at okay. all. So I want to do a HBO style video shoot of it. Yeah, it's just us on on stage with uh, music stands and computers and a and a screen in back because I project some of the photos I sent okay. him and letters and and headings and stuff like that. Now, did you really enjoy that? I mean, it seems like it must have been really fun just <sighs> because I mean, you you were in every facet of it. I yeah. mean, I mean, I don't know if someone directed it. I don't know if Paul Provenza put Paul, it, Paul, put it, Paul, okay. Yeah. And uh, Paul, I mean, he's such a brilliant guy. Yeah. Um, it's uh, but it must have been great because you know you know you said you know, just if you think about it, you were the wizard. Yeah. And then you get back, and now you're doing the show where you're in comedy festivals, and and it's got heat, and it's just, and it's not like the, and you. It's funny as you both guys were wizards. Yeah, that's yeah. what makes it even better. Yeah, exactly. Because now you. So did he help at all with uh, rewriting anything, or have you just you got you? Just no, but straight. he does in the show. He does all the heavy lifting because he's doing okay. all these. He's doing all these voices and characters, and I'm wow. But it's the easiest show in the world because we're reading the script from computers. That's so it's, great. It was I mean, so great because I'm so lazy. Well, that's like <laughs> and for me. I think because I've had lots of head injuries, I forget. <laughs> crap on stage oh, yeah. like, like i have i have an amazing memory of like people like from fifth grade or college but i go on stage sometimes i can't remember my sure. act, and i never really go over it but that's like when i saw spalding gray doing one of his things where he just it was a it was a documentary well a movie he just had his stuff on the table and was right. reading it and i go man that's a gig you yeah, want yeah, people yeah. are packed to see it so many just reading it yes yeah, swimming swimming yeah. yeah so uh so okay but then so after this happens it seems like you, you started acting you're getting more acting work now yeah i had you know, it's like anything. It's like with women or, or showbiz. If you don't want it, it they you you know you become irresistible. So I started getting work um, during the you know during the two thousands. Um, not a lot, but but some good show. I mean, yeah, I'm, some I'm good stuff. You were in Southland. Yeah, yeah. Well, that a- that happened recently, and, okay. and I also developed this uh, fairly nice voiceover career. I okay. fell into voiceovers for about ten years, and no, that was really nice. Commercials or yeah. or cartoon commercial voiceovers any uh, commercials you can tell us yeah geico and taco bell names name a company and i've done so what what is your but what is your normal do you you change your voice no i'm either i'm either i'm either very earnest we all know that there's a problem or i'm the hey everybody we know there's a problem i'm either rye guy or earnest guy that's it either uh we needed a, a cheap adam carolla or a cheap uh Kiefer sutherland how did you get into that I was at a party. I had a commercial agent. I was at a party for a friend and one of the voiceover agents at my commercial agent who happened at that time to be a really great commercial a voiceover agent said, come in and read some voiceovers for me because I think you'd do well. And I started working immediately. See, that's awesome. See, it's just so, it's so funny how it turns. And you said you didn't want it. So then you started getting more acting yeah, work. Yeah, so I started getting more acting work. And then a couple years ago, I was pursued. Well, I booked, I, I, I play in this band called Karaoke, which is okay, a yeah. live karaoke band. Okay. And uh, we I we played a party for this agent and the agent afterwards we were talking he said so what's with you in acting and I said well I don't I, I had an agent but I was going up on these horrible little parts and I didn't care about them and I would go in and I wouldn't know my stuff and I'd, I'd look like a jerk so I stopped doing it he said, and he said well what would it take to get you to do it I said well I need someone who you know grew up watching me and who thinks that they could get me the career I should have had and he said I grew up watching you wow. I'd like you to get the career you should have had and so he 
he I worked, started working with him about two years ago, and yeah, Southland. Yeah, the Mentalist. Uh, yeah, I, American I booked, Horror. I, I I've never seen that movie. That show. Yeah. I heard it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Because I, I have the first episode this year DVR, but I don't know if I. I heard you can just start watching it. Yeah, you it. can just start watching, it, and every year is different. Okay, um, and you were in Glee. Yeah, in Glee. And so yeah, last year I booked seven gigs, and then I was pursued by this fairly hotshot manager at the end of the year. So at the beginning of the year, I realized. I turned 50, my mom died, and I realized I hate being a programmer. I'm not good at it. There, there are these 25-year-olds who are amazing at it, who've grown up with computers. I started when I was 35. Isn't that weird? And I mean, so I just don't have that thing that they have, and I, I just don't like it. I don't like working 9 to 5, which is awful. So I, my wife is an editor. She's working on this show called, I forgot what it's called, but she said, let's try this year. And you do the acting thing, and we'll see what happens. And so it's been so far so good. Now, what's the karaoke? The the karaoke. That's just funny because we, well, we have a few minutes left. I just want to hear about this real quick because well, it caught my eye. It started the drummer. Actually, the drummer of Steel Panther came up with the name. Uh, we started as an '80s karaoke band, so you get up and you can sing a song with a live band. And because we were '80s, we thought, oh, we'll be the Corys from the '80s, and so it's karaoke. <laughs> No one really got that, which I was very surprised. That's odd, yeah, especially yeah. if you're from around the yeah. 80s. You should get it right away. So uh, now we're doing like music from the 70s and current stuff, but it's a fun time. You get up and the lyrics scroll on a screen just like regular karaoke. And Do you dress like 80s guys? Not anymore, but we did. Okay, now do you, do you still play? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where we do play you every play? Thursday night and in L.A. It's a place called Maves Residuals in the Valley. Well, what town is it? Uh, uh, Studio City. What's it called? Maeve's Residuals. I'm oh residuals. residuals That's yeah. right on uh, Ventura. Ventura near uh, near uh, Vineland. Yeah, I did a comedy night there one time. It's oh. it's on the left hand side. They have sort of like a wooden stage, yeah. and it goes back it goes and it's up dark. And, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's cool. So you do every Thursday? Every Thursday night. Oh, that's fun. So yeah. you guys, and it's just you and the guys, me and two other guys, yeah. and it's one's from Steel Panther. No, no, no. Oh no, it's just you and. Now, how did you meet these guys? There is this whole network of cover bands, um, and. The Steel Panther guys were part of that, and so they. Anyway, I just met them. Do you enjoy it? I love it. It's seen. You know, it's funny. It seems like you're having a lot of fun right now. Yeah, I love playing, and I love what's great about the cover band is doing it every week. I d- actually don't play every week at this gig. This other bass player does it more than I do because he got us the gig. Okay, but it's just so good for my playing. I've become such a better player because I'm playing every week and learning new songs every week and sitting down and playing. It's great. Do you ever pull out the lead acts? Do you ever play the lead acts? Oh, I, I, yeah, I record stuff and I have my, my guitar. So do you do you have a studio? I mean, you do stuff in yeah, a little home studio. Okay, because yeah. I, I record voiceovers and stuff there. So, oh, and are you writing songs still? Yeah, not as much as I should. But no, but see, you, but you, you seem very happy in life right now. Yeah, things are, are nice. Now. I think it's weird. I think it's you know, and and I, it's just so weird that the story, of the spam, it just that cracks me up because when when that comes out again, I gotta see. It. You gotta you gotta send me a message on Facebook because okay, that's stuff. Okay. My girlfriend will be moving out then, okay. then, and that's kind of stuff we love. It's I love stuff because it's just it's so. And now that I know the whole story behind it, it oh, makes cool. it that much better for me. Cool. Even though I know I don't care if I know how it ends because Correct. but it's just it makes it better because right. seeing you explain it it's, and you explaining I was cracking up. Okay. I can imagine if you're on stage. Yeah, it's a like, funny show. And with the other guy playing, does he speak like my Yeah, 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 he doesn't know. See, that's so great. And you speak like you, I guess. Oh, yeah, just me. And then the the weird Dean Cameron. The and, sort of sort of offensive. Any uh, <laughs> any any other uh, TV things? Psych. Um, I did a psych. It was really nice. The, Canada, right? Yeah. And they, I did the final episode of the of the series. I love that series. And they wrote a part for me. They used my real last name, Eichelberry, and uh, I get this really nice part. And I went up for 
a couple weeks, uh, a month ago for eight days. I worked for three in the summertime in Vancouver. It was beautiful. That show, that's, that show's got great Eddie references. Yes, it that's does. That's a well, great show. He, James Roday, was a huge fan of mine. They did a shout out to me in the show. Okay. Uh, about three years ago, they did this whole thing about, there's a plot where the, one of the, the, the killer is watching summer school and ski okay. school. Okay, I remember that. I think. Yeah, and uh, they say, oh yeah, Dean Cameron, cool. he's great. No one paints a scene like him. So. Well, I want to I thank you for coming on, sure. Dean. It was great. I'm glad, you know, you're, you're around the area so maybe I'll run into you. Uh, cool. So and do you have a website or anything? Or? DeanCameron.com and there's also securityedition.com which we I wish we had talked about. We will next time. Uh, next time. So uh, yeah, check his website out. For me, people follow me at Cooper Talk on Twitter at Cooper Talk on Twitter. Go to coopertalk.net. I have about 180 episodes up there or you can go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Type in one word, Cooper Talk. Uh, this is, well, I'm recording Tuesday but tonight's Wednesday when you hear it. I'll be at Sardo's 8 o'clock, uh, <laughs> Jeff Kazajian's uh, comedy night. It'll be fun. It's right in the area so I'll be shooting down there doing probably like an eight minute set then get home and watch my TV because I'm old like that and um, <laughs> also what else uh, what else uh, coopertalk.net iTunes send me an email cooper at indie100 indie 100 do the f- Twitter following because I, I try to tweet some funny stuff and I want to give a shout out again to my buddy George Olivos hope you get better soon I'm Steve Cooper remember I'm only as hip as my guests don't forget drink your water eat your veggies and take your vitamins you guys have a wonderful weekend <laughs>